man, we called him kickstand. He had a bent knee. He walked in. He had no, he wasn't that defined. Like some, some guys a receiver just ripped up. Rod didn't look like much, but man, oh man, you talk about a baller. Hey everybody, welcome to Sugar Snake Takes. We're going to be stepping into season two today. This is, uh, we're going to change some things up a little bit. Uh, in the past, you know, we've done trivia. We're still going to do audience questions, but what we're finding is that these stories that uh, we get to hear from Jake and Rashad are just, they're just too compelling. People want to hear more from, from the, uh, the legacies that you guys have, have laid out. And so uh, we're going to shift it up a little bit. We're going to change the flow of this and, and see what people are vibing on. And right now, it's storytelling. That's what, uh, that's what the people want. So you guys doing good? Feeling, feeling good? Feeling ready to tell some stories? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Let's give the people what they want. Good, yeah. And, and uh, what kind of invoked this, Jake, we just got to say it. We just got to get it out there. Uh, you look good, man. You look incredible with that. Looking nice. clean, boy. <laughs> Schoolboy haircut. Fresh cut. Yeah. Back to school this haircut. Is the, That's what it is. This is crazy because it's like, I keep getting this like, oh, you cut your hair. Wow, you look so good. I'm like, did I look like shit before? What, <laughs> what was going on with my long hair? Like, did I look like a bum? Are you judging me? Were you judging me then? Or are you like, <laughs> were you really feeling me? Were you feeling me? Or were you judging me by my appearance? So it's been a very fun little, uh, uh. little bad week or two here where I've had to see people. Oh, wow, you look so good. Like, what about when I have long hair? Did you not think I looked good? So, yeah, it's been kind of uh, an adjustment, but I enjoy it. You know, it's a hey, I'm me. I'm still Jake Plummer, the guy who did all this stuff and is doing all this new stuff. So. Nothing but Jake, hair. You don't, you don't you don't miss the flowing locks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sometimes it was kind of fun when I would be at a concert and I could let it all yeah. hang down in front of my head and just kind of dance around like this. But yeah, yeah, man, I was pinning it back. It was getting in my mouth. I couldn't have the windows uh, okay. down without a hair tie or two. Or three. <laughs> the yeah. pains of having long hair. I understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Listen, I, don't know, I don't know how you did it. In, in Colorado, you got to go everywhere. You got to have chapstick, and if you have long hair, now I got to carry uh, hair ties and like, <laughs> water. So yeah, it's nice. I don't have hair ties anymore. Yeah, too much yeah. maintenance. I remember you telling me something about you know growing out that hair and uh, kind of changing your your look and how it really vets people. You know, people walk by and you know they they don't give you two looks, and then the moment oh that's Jake Plum over there. Oh hey, what's up, man? Like. Hey man, what about when I was the long haired hippie over here? Now I'm not fucking cool, but now I'm cool. You know, like Dude, so I like that. People have been walking process. by me. I, I've a couple of people I know have walked right by me, looked at me, and kept going because now I have short hair and I look different than what they're used to seeing for the last you know couple of years. So it's what very interesting. You know? Yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Mama won't talk to you now that you're clean cut. She's because she's she's an old school hippie herself, isn't that right? Who's that? Your mama. Oh, your mama. 
My mom's happy I cut my hair. She was wanting me to wash it all the time, tell me it looked greasy. <laughs> Mama knows best. Mama knows best. But, but that is the direction that we're going to take this uh, this topic. The, the, the first episode of season two is um, judging a book by its cover. You know, we're talking about this, obviously, in sports. Rashad, my mind went to you immediately just in the sense of mm-hmm. – you know, in the fight game or wrestling, I remember in high school, always like looking at a guy and like, Oh my God, that guy's small and jacked and he's going to, you know, rip me apart and then, you know, dominate him while the tall lanky guy absolutely destroys you, you know? And so yeah, judging a book by its cover, you know, we, we were thinking that this would be a good direction for this first episode. And uh, so I don't know if either you guys want to start in on a story about, uh, a time that maybe you judged a book by a cover or you, or you were judged. So what do y'all think? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start off. I'll start off. So um, the first time I went to Albuquerque, I went there with Keith Jardine. It was after the Ultimate Fighter show. And um, when you go to a new gym, it's always that weird kind of feeling out thing. Like if you, you know, you, you've trained, you go to a new gym, it's always like fresh meat in the gym, right? So you gotta, you gotta be ready. You gotta be on point. So I go there. Everyone's pretty cool. But at the same time, I can tell, like, you know, they're trying to feel me out. And uh, it was like our first sparring class. And I was matched up with a couple tough guys. And then I did pretty good. And then I had to, you know, face Holly Holm. Holly Holm uh, is was it was kickbox was uh, boxing back then. But she had a background in kickboxing, you know, but I didn't really understand how extensive her background was in kickboxing so i'm like okay she's just a boxer and of course she's a girl right i'm 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 like at this time i'm probably like around 225 pretty pretty solid you know and i have to spar so i had two hard rounds and then i get to spar her so i'm just kind of like moving around and not really trying to not really trying to hurt her this girl caught me (laughs) with the nastiest straight left it just like, it like made me dizzy as hell. And then I'm like, yo, what was that? Right. It was like the hardest punch I think I've taken at that point, even in fights. Like that was like one of the hardest punches I got hit with. I'm just like, what the fuck was that? So, (laughs) so I'm like, okay. So she wants to turn it up. All right. So I started to turn it up on her. Right. And then she catches me with this nasty leg kick, bow, right in the face. And you know how, like when you try harder, like, the worse you do because you're trying hard. And that's what happened. Like the the more I tried, the worse it got for me. And she caught me with a leg kick right in the face at the end of the round. And uh, the, the round ended as I was just kind of like getting my wits back and kind of still staggering, still keeping my poker face, still let, not letting her know that how bad I was rocked. And I go to like the side over there, uh, over um, in the gym and I'm, you know, have my head down and I'm, and I'm against the wall. And then Keith Jardine comes up to me and he says, Hey, you sparred Holly, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> he knew. I was, he knew. He knew. I was like, damn, man, it was a setup, man. Holly was, Holly was nasty, and her standup was unbelievable, and she hit hard. And I never, I never even trained with a girl at that point. So for me, I'm just like, yeah. I mean, you know, she's a girl. What could she? How dangerous could she be? <laughs> very dangerous she knocked the hell out of me that time dang Wait. this was before her title reign this is before she was even in the ufc she was a boxer wow. back then this is when she like this is like years and years when she was doing her boxing 
you know, she's a boxing hall of fame uh, fighter. And that's when she was doing that. And um, I had no idea how nasty she was at kickboxing, but I soon found out. <laughs> Dang, had you rattled, huh? Just, just man, busy. She she had me on skates, bro. She had me on skates, and, I, and and the worst part about it was, I couldn't even, I couldn't even sit down in pride. Just be like, you know what? I'm gonna take this round off just because I got really rocked the last round. My ego wouldn't let me do it. My ego wouldn't let me do it, man. So I, I went, I kept it going. But yeah, she 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 almost put your boy night night one time. Did you? Would this be like the first time that she'd ever know that you'd done that? Do you ever know, like she got she got the best of you that day or what? Um, I I didn't tell her. I I never told her. I never told her. She probably doesn't remember the day that we first sparred, but. I'll never forget. <laughs> All right. Holly, right. if you had nightmares, I had nightmares, bro. I had nightmares about that kick. <laughs> if you're listening, Holly, here, here it is. Rashad Evans admitting that uh, he got rocked and that's legit. Yeah, I've seen it. But you know what though? I mean, I kind of want my rematch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it would, I feel like it would be really hard to go into a okay. ring and like lay, lay it on a, a woman. I mean, cause I was taught like, don't do that right but i know it's different yeah you're in the ring you're both you're both stepping in to say we can fight that's okay but still it'd be kind of hard to go in like want to beat up beat up a a female i don't know how that how does that sit with you i know it 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 didn't sit well with me i'll tell you the truth like it was like one of those things i'm just like it took a while to get over that conditioning but once she hit me and made my teeth clap like (laughs) I'm just like, yo, <laughs> yo, this ain't a, this ain't a woman. This is a, this is a monster. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Tried and true for sure. That's legit. That's a, that's a, that's a great story. Snake, how about you? I know, uh, I know you probably have a story or two about judging a book by its cover. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think this happens more in individual sports than actual team sports. Although you can go in and think, oh, this this team's losing that I know on Sundays, the worst thing to happen was like when you're, when you have a team that's coming off of a two or three game losing streak and they're coming into your place. Cause they're coming in with everybody on their back. Everybody's ready to throw in the towel on them. And that somehow brings the, the best out of those guys when they, when they go on the road, uh, I did it many times. Um, so you never want to judge like their record by how well or how, what it's going to be like on Sunday. But, I I really experienced this a couple a couple different ways. First was in my tail end of my career here in Denver. I played I uh, started playing a lot of handball. The crew here, Stan Walpaw, Stan Dunleavy, they were like reaching out to me like come on out to the court. So I went and played in a handball tournament. And I was playing in like the A's, I like the the A level. I wasn't an open player at the, at the time, but I was in the A's. And I'm, I'm strong. I, I reached out to the USHA. I'm trying to find this article. And I know by the time that it, you know, we'll be able to post this article when we find it. And I can't recall the guy's name. It was Mike. I think Mike, somebody, he came walking over and, you know, I was fresh off of Oh uh, five, the best season of my, uh, of my career. And, you know, I was, I was pretty big in Denver, pretty big in the NFL. And here he, here's this dude who's just an A player. He was probably in his early forties. Um, I was still in my tw- late twenties and, you know, in shape playing football. So I felt pretty, pretty confident. And I step on the court and I look at this guy and he's got his little goggles on and he's kind of long, skinny neck and kind of long and gangly. I think he had knee pads on too. And I'm just like, 
oh man, I'm gonna roll this fool. He look, come on, I, this guy's not. I'm watching him warm up. I'm like, this guy's not an athlete. I'm Jake the Snake coming off the football field. I'm gonna whoop this guy's ass. Well, long story, we go all the way to a tiebreaker, and he beats me in the tiebreaker. And you know, I was a little upset, but it was more like the reaction I got from him. He was so cool on the court. What happened was, is, is he took that moment in his life that to me was just another match. You know, I came into the De the Denver Athletic Club, pretty high, big news because handball didn't get a lot of pub back in the day. Um, that year, I had thrown a ball left-handed uh, and and got an interception. And, and Brent Musburger has mentioned handball on a Thursday night game or a Monday night game, whichever it was. So you know, I was kind of the handball representative doing this for this this sport. So it was big that I was at this tourney. And he goes and he wrote this beautiful article about David and Goliath. You know, he's calling me Goliath, this bigger than life guy coming in and everybody's talking to him and he's shaking hands and kissing babies and doing all this. And then he gets to step into the court with me. And it was like for him, the one of the biggest moments of his life, you know, the biggest thing to beat Jake the Snake Plumber. And for me, it was like another, I got, I got beat by this dude that I obviously learned a lesson. Don't judge a book by its cover because on the handball court, that'll happen quick. Um, many times. I mean, up in Sandpoint, I played with a guy named Bruce Sledeker, <laughs> and he, he had, you know, a, a mustache, kind of a beer, beer, get, beer gut because he loved to drink natural lights, naughty lights, and didn't look like much of an athlete. I mean, Bruce, Bruce will tell you. He'll be the first to admit. But, man, he ran my ass ragged when I retired. He ran me all over the court until I could finally slow down contemplate the game but he's a guy like if you saw him you'd think this guy's not an athlete but man you get him on the handball court and he knew the game so I've learned my lesson fair and square I was also on the other end of that too when I was about 13 years old up in Coeur d'Alene Idaho we used to go play hoops all the time down at City Beach and if I was with my brothers I could get on the court but if I was by myself it wasn't as easy so one day I remember sitting there for like a couple hours trying to get on as a, Hey, do you guys need a fifth? Do you need a, do you need, a, you need an extra player? And they'd look at me and I was like maybe five, 10, a hundred and maybe 110 pounds. I had, I had nothing going on, but I was shooting a lot of hoops back in the day. I was shoot every day. And so I was lights out from distance from long range. No one picked me up all day. All these guys, nah, man, we're good. Nah, man, we're good. And then they'd be looking for other guys. And I'm sitting there like, this sucks, man. My brothers show up, they get off work, they show up, of course I'm. they're going to pick me up. During the first game, I'm running around, they're feeding me. I'm hitting, I hit a three from pretty deep, then I hit another three from pretty deep, and then I even hit a three, I'm out of bounds, I didn't even know it. I was off of the court, out of bounds, and I drained another three, and now everybody's going, wait a second. From that day on, they didn't judge me by the, the cover. They were like, we got you, Snake. We're going to put you up on our team because I was like a, a, a sharpshooter. So it happened to me on the other side of things where I felt that kind of, damn, they're judging me because I don't look the part. But I knew I could hang with these guys even at 13 years old. And then when I got my chance, you know, I, I let it go. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you a, 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 like a rapid fire question then for you, Rashad, as far as I think you do judge books by its cover in these more individual sports in the UFC, who's someone that you judge as like, you know, visually, oh, they, they, you know, don't look that intimidating, but they're actually just an absolute thug. Um, who doesn't look intimidating. 
and that's just like a monster. Yeah, or someone um, who surprised you or is totally – something came unexpected by a, a fighter that you've trained with in the past. You know, when I first met Keith Jardine, I met him on the Ultimate Fighter show. And Keith Jardine has a very distinct look. He's actually called the Dean of Mean because he has like this look where he just looks always pissed off. And um, when I got on the Ultimate Fighter show, like – he has this bald head. So I'm looking at this dude and this dude, like, I'm like, this dude, like, first of all, I'm regretting even being there because I'm by far the smallest by a large amount, but he was the closest guy to my size. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, I don't even know if I can beat the smallest guy here. And he looked kind of gnarly. Like he's had this bald head goatee and he looked like a skinhead. He looked like a skinhead, man. And I'm just like, um, I, I kind of, like, didn't really speak to him because I didn't really know, you know what I'm saying? I was kind of judging him, like, looking at him, like, oh, I don't know, this dude probably, you know, probably probably hates black dudes and stuff like that. So I kind of stayed away from him, and then we started training together, and he ended up being, like, one of the coolest guys because of the fact that, I mean, he was just he was just all heart, all heart. Like, he was a guy, honestly, that helped me win the whole entire show because he was taking instruction from Greg Jackson. So when he got on the Ultimate Fighter show, he was already a well-rounded athlete already an amazing athlete and he would show me all the things that greg was showing would show him that i didn't know that i needed to know in order to compete so uh he ended up being like one one of my best friends and he ended up being you know uh the main reason that i even won the show so that was a huge judging a book by his cover but i mean dude i I have so many times where i've judged the book by his cover like I, i when i when i fought sean salmon right this is one of the biggest lessons that that i had when i fought sean salmon like I, I got, I got to uh, work with him, and um, and and when and when I was working with them, or, or fighting them, I was looking at him first. First of all, I looked at him like this dude. He's kind of like pudgy. He looks, he's short. He didn't look like he was anything at all, right? So I'm like, I'm about to work his ass. I'm about to wear his ass out tomorrow. So the fight starts, and uh, I'm getting no love. This dude is like. Um, like no selling on like he's not buying anything on none not biting on any of my fakes and he's just kind of really doing his thing with me and you know it was one of the first times I ever lost a round and it was like I never lost a round but I lost a round my first round with him and I remember going to my corner during that fight and uh, Dana White's looking up at me and I'm and he's like like what are you doing like I I serve I served you up something lovely like you're supposed to knock this out the park but here you are struggling with this dude that i just pulled up from the regional jv circuit and you're supposed to smash him and he's wearing my ass out so then the next round i'm like okay i gotta do what i gotta do and then i caught him with that leg kick but it started off with me judging the book by his cover it started off with me looking at him didn't thinking not thinking that he was much at all but he ended up wearing my ass out Mm. Being a, a smaller guy on The Ultimate Fighter, I mean, there's that classic image of you and Brad Imes, and he's like almost like a couple heads taller than you. Was Did you feel fueled by being underestimated? Was it something that actually drove you to compete harder, or did it feel like an obstacle to overcome? It, it was fuel for me. Like, I, I would do um, my mental work when I train. You know, I, I would I had this hill next to my house and I would run up it for probably about an hour straight with my dog chasing behind me. At first I was chasing him up the hill, but I would go so long where he gets tired and I'll and I'll start beating him. And I wouldn't stop until I can beat him. 
But all the time that I'm running up this hill, I'm just talking, you know, talking shit to myself, talking about talking to myself about what I want to do and just kind of really embodying the fact that everybody really thought I was going to lose. So when I was on the Ultimate Fighter show, they almost didn't let me on because of the fact that I was so small. You know, Dana White told me, he's like, you know what? I'm going to get on a fucking, you're going to get on my fucking show and I'm going to have a boring episode. You know why? And I was like, no, because you're too fucking small to be on my show. You're going to get taken down. You're going to get held on. You can get the fuck beat out of you because you're too small to be on this fucking show. <laughs> and I was like, I was thrown back because I'm, I'm just fresh out of college. So I'm thinking like, okay, I, I'm going to be all buttoned up with this job interview. You know what I'm saying? I, I've been in a working world for probably about two years at that point. So I've been on a few interviews. So I know how to put my best foot forward. So I thought, and uh, this was an interview like no other. And uh, when he came at me talking about, <laughs> Um, he's like, bro, he said, are you fucking kidding me, bro? I had guys so fucking big. They had to walk through that, duck through that fucking door to get in. You fucking Cuba Gooding Jr. looking <laughs> motherfucker. And I, he just started going, cutting in on me. And I'm just like, yo. Yeah, but uh, being the underdog and, and the ultimate fighter was the thing that just, it, it propelled me to win it. That's awesome. Jake, I've got a, a quick rapid fire question for you before we uh, jump into a, a community question. Because there's this um, video we posted from a past Sugar Snake Takes episode about the combine, you know, and just how the combine is in football and the people are really resonating with what you shared. So, you know, around this subject, were there was there ever a player that you saw who kind of performed pretty poorly at the combine who went on to be an absolute beast on the field? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would have to go look back at, to look at, you know, who, who was there at the combine. Um you know, it was weird. I found I, I saw some guys that that did pretty well in college. You know, that that ended up having a poor combine, and just never really being able to recover from that. Um, I mean, a poor combine is in like they could the balls, the NFL football when it comes out of the plastic wrapper, it has this weird like sheen on it, and it and we used to um, we used to take the balls and like rub them in the grass, or the kickers would take them and scrub them down to get that kind of sticky sheen off because it was really actually it it affected the way you threw the ball you couldn't get a good grip on it and I remember at the combine talking to this kid from um it was from Louisiana Tech quarterback I want to say his name was Jason Mackey uh I may be wrong on that because you know I some of this stuff I haven't thought about since 90 you know back in 97 it's been a while but he could not throw the ball like it just was not coming out of his hand right and I could tell one he was nervous and me, I was different. Like I said in my clip there, like the combine for me was a joke. The combine for me was so I could just go show them who I was as a person to be that person. And even on the field during the throwing, I was trying to help guys calm down. Like, hey, yo, man, you got this. You got this, man. You've been throwing the ball your whole life. Don't get nervous now. This is what we do. Like, relax. They want to see you relax. And when they see you get tense under this microscope, how are you going to go out on Sunday and perform? How are you going to go out in front of 75,000 and who knows who else watching on TV if you can't just throw the ball here in this, this dome right now? So for me, the combine was, uh, was kind of a joke, like I said. It was more like, here I am. You're going to look at how I run my 40. I took a bow after I ran like a four. I think I ran a four nine forty, And I just stopped and I took a bow to the crowd like, this is what you need me to do so you draft me because I think this is bullshit. I've run away from guys that run 4.7, and that's because I was scared shitless. Not because I could run a 4.7, 
but because I was faster on, on the on the field. Um, a guy that rem- I re- that I think about a lot was like Keith Poole, who I played with at ASU. When he got recruited out of Clovis, they thought he was black because he was like running by people and he wore black tights. So when he showed up at Arizona off the plane, he walked by the recruiters and they didn't even say anything to him. And he walked up and said, hey, I'm Keith Poole. And they're like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, I'm Keith Poole. They're like, wait a sec. They didn't know. So <laughs> Keith was looked at all the time as like, this dude, who, who is this dude? But that guy on game days, he could run away from people. And it's like, it's that certain trait that some, some folks have. And back to judging a book by its cover, Rod Smith was a guy like that. I got to play with Rod towards the tail end of his, his last, like, four of his last, like, five years of his, of his career. Man, we called him kickstand. He had a bent knee. He walked in. He had no – he wasn't that defined. Like, some, some guys a receiver just ripped up. Rod didn't look like much. But, man, oh, man, you talk about a baller straight up. When you needed him to be there, when I needed him, he was there. He knew the game inside and out. And if you looked at him and saw him and thought, oh, that's Rod Smith, you you double take and go, that can't be Rod Smith. But that was, man. That guy was just a straight-up G on the field, and but not the way he looked, you know. And uh, I could go back and forth on all that stuff. But, yeah, the that combine was very interesting, man. You know, just the fact that I had to go try to prove myself in front of these guys. And, and of course, it's a measuring stick. It's a validation thing for them to have, to check these boxes and any red flags come up, they can address that. But me, like I said, I played four years at ASU. If you need proof, if you want to ask questions, go ask my teammates and coaches. They'll tell you what they think about me, not how fast I can run a 40 or how many vertical inches I can jump. Because last time I checked, I wasn't dunking a football anywhere or jumping over anybody, but it's all right in your heart. You know, what can you measure there? The compost really can't measure that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that That's, that's the, your story has got me thinking about, uh, <laughs> I just got one more, but this story, honestly, this one, this one for me was, was the one that it was truly my first lesson and, and in judging the book by its cover. And it was probably one of the most hurtful ones. So, I'm in junior college, right? And it's my second year in junior college. And um, I was undefeated. Like, I was just, like, taking scalps. I was just that dude, you know? And I, every tournament I roll into, I just knew one thing. My hand was going to be raised, and I was going to be, like, like sunshine. You know what I'm saying? I was going to be just styling on these dudes, right? They, they stood no chance. So I get to the finals, right? And, of course, I'm I'm not even paying much of attention. I've been in the finals many times, and it was just – I'm mad at me going out there and just getting my hand raised. So they, um, my match is about to come up, and I was a little tired, so I'm laying there sleeping, and I sleep, like, all the way until I almost got to go up and wrestle. And uh, I, I wake up a little bit, and I look at the guy who I got to fight or wrestle, and it's this guy, like, this corny-ass-looking uh, this corny ass looking dude who looks like the like Michael Jackson, like before he was, before he did all the shit to his face, you know what I'm saying? He looked like <laughs> Michael Jackson, young Michael Jackson, like with the Afro and, and everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what he looked like, but he looked like a straight nerd, straight nerd. Right. And I'm like, and they're like, Rashad, you got to get ready. I'm like, dude, I'm a dog walk this dude. I'm a beat the shit out of him. Right. I'm about to embarrass him. I go out there, I go out there. This dude, 
was so damn strong. He grabbed my he grabbed my wrist and I couldn't get my hand back, bro. I could not get my hand back. And that and it was like immediately I knew at that point I made a huge mistake. I made a huge mistake and I'm just like, how am I get out of this? So it, it, it he takes me down right away. Boom. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. So I I I escaped the position. I get back up to my feet. But the whole wrestling match, we're battling, and he's up the whole match. And uh, I had to fight my way back into it to, to lose the fight, to lose the match like 6-3. It was one of the most demoralizing and most embarrassing things that I ever had. I went to the back room. I, 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 did, I, I shook his hand, and I just ran to the showers just in tears and crying. But it was like I was – my heart was broken. But the here's the crazy part about it. The crazy part about it was I ended up having to wrestle this guy at wow. the NCAA finals in junior college. And I beat him. And I beat him. And then after that, he actually came to my team on uh, Michigan State. His name is Anton Hall, one of the nastiest wrestlers I ever trained uh, with and uh, ever went against. But he was one of my that's, biggest lessons then. That's good Never stuff. Never judging by his cover. You know what? You know what's <laughs> oh, funny? And like, I know you deal with this too, Sean, yeah. and even me, is being quarterback people assuming that they that they know what I'm like they judge me so when I meet people now even today is the most important topic like right now when I meet people they assume things and they expect something but you and yeah. I on our journeys I'm sure they're getting a full dose of like whoa I wasn't ready for that I wanted to hear like break down Aaron Rodgers and the Jets like what do you mean break it down here's the deal Aaron's gonna go ball I don't know anything else <laughs> yeah, but yeah. They, so we get it still like they're judging you and I from our past not from right now today. So that's always fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I get that everywhere I go. Everybody's like, man, you're, you're a lot different than I thought you would be. You know, they just can't wrap their minds around like how, how I am, you know, cause it's just, there's just so many times that every time they see me, I'm just like on the TV, I'm in they, somebody's face and, you know, I'm, I'm being that, that person, you know, and then when they see me and meet me in real life, they're just like, man, you're, you're the like way a normal of the person, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're like a normal guy. Yeah, speaking of uh, of right now and the journey that you guys have been on, so transitioning to the community question, we got this one's directed at Rashad, but I'd love Jake or Dell to chime in if you feel like you got something to share. Truth teller, funny guy, haha, is their handle. And ask you, Rashad, on the Joe Rogan experience, you said you had an ego death. What does that mean exactly? The ego death means that the me that I thought that I was, it saw its end and I was still there. And the part of me that I wasn't in touch with, the part of me that I didn't really understand, the part of me that is the watcher behind the scenes, that one step forward. While the me that has a story of I'm Rashad Evans and I'm from Niagara Falls, New York, and these are my experiences and the results of those experiences, that was gone. The identity of what I thought I was is gone. And um, it, it's a crazy thing because I, I took this journey to find myself just to learn that I never really truly existed in the way that I thought that I did. 
Damn, Rashocrates always dropping it, man. It's such a, like, who, who's going to follow that? I'm not, I'm not going to say anything like that's, that's such, that's beautiful. Those are, those are the things that like, uh, you know, that's a, that's a lot different Rashad than what people know, right. Judging a book by its cover, right. They, they right. obviously know you as a UFC hall of famer and, and you've earned that. And that's important, which I also think is why your voice is so unique when it comes to, to pretty much anything now where um, you talk about these more in-depth uh, topics like ego death or just the idea of saying the watcher and understanding that there is um, a watcher in your life and being able to separate the two or knowing the difference is pretty profound. But I, I sure should, I'm not going to try to follow that explanation of ego death, but snake, go for it, bro. Take it over. Follow up on that. I don't have much to say, man. You Rashad, you you said it all right there. You know, like being uh, aware. You know, it's a huge awareness when you when you have ego death. I think what happened for me in ceremony for my first ceremony was an ego death. I didn't know it, but a, fr a friend at the time was like, "Oh, you had an ego death," and what it gave me was like this different perspective on actual death, like on actually dying, like. It may be, depending on how you go, it could be one of the easiest things we do. It's just done. It's over with. Where living sometimes is the scariest part. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so what it taught me about, mm -hmm. you know, my ego dying was more like who I truly am. And if I can really go about living that essence and being really in that essence of who I want to be, who I am and how I affect people, not living on my past, not living in, you know, who who I was and, and who people, like we said, judge me by, like assume that I'm somebody uh, when I'm not actually that person. Beautiful. I think Beautiful. that, I think that's Absolutely. a good cherry on top. That. Good bow. But uh, right on. All right. Well, Hey, this is a good new format. I've enjoyed this. I enjoy these stories. I enjoy, uh, you know, just the different perspectives and judging a book by its cover. It's something that we all do. We all have our own personal stories about that and uh, it's okay. But uh, stepping back and being a watcher is probably a better, a better perspective kind of see, Oh, why, why would I do that? Why would I judge someone before getting to know them or whatnot? So uh, with that, we will end our first episode of season two and uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in and uh We'll do this again very, very soon. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Peace. <laughs>